0: Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad to be back from my long holiday. And I thank all my church family who was praying for me. Thank you very much. And um, I'm going to read um, Hebrews chapter 12 from one to three. Therefore since we are surrounded by the great by so great a cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance to the perseverance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endures such hospitality against himself from sinners, so that you may. Not grow weary, or lose heart. Hear the the reading of God's holy word.
1: Rebecca, how was Jamaica? How was Florida? All right. Good. I hear they got a lot of rain in Florida recently. Miami, like 24 inches in a in in like a night, right? Like it was it was like. The biggest rainstorm in a thousand years in that area, wow. So anyway, glad you didn't have to swim back here, you made it. <laughs> so here we are um, on the other side of Easter. Last week we had a wonderful service, recognizing that Christ is the resurrected Christ, Because Christ breaks the death barrier, we know that we also shall break that death barrier. The absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So that's an amazing truth. Uh, Paul says we do not grieve as others grieve, and there's truth to that. If you have hope, real hope, that makes a big difference. So Easter is all about that. And so here we are on the other side of Easter. Let's go to look at this. Cheryl does a great job in these slides. I want to go right back and look at it all. Uh, that's the one at the end with. Trailblazing. Yay. That's the, that's the theme for the next few weeks trailblazing. This one is running the race. Get my little clicker going here, right? It goes both ways, doesn't it? Yeah. Cool. Nice. Sweet. I'll get it. Man, going the other way. Cheryl. <laughs> I think I'm getting it. I got it. I got it. I'm going back. When I yell Cheryl, I'm just kidding. Cheryl's great, right? There we go. That's when I want, running the race. Trailblazing is the theme. Running the race is today. So we have Easter, but now the issue is, you know, what happens after Easter. So that's where we're going over these next few weeks. So if if Christ is our resurrected Christ, then what does that mean for us? So that's where we're going. So as a bit of an introduction, then Paul uses the word faith as faith in God and trust in the great gift of what God has done for us in Jesus. So Paul's use of faith is thank you, God, for your gift for me in Jesus. And in faith I believe, in faith I commit my life. Faith. I have here conviction that there is more to life than meets the eye. Faith. So Paul uses it that way, but when we come to Hebrews, it's used more in terms of faithfulness. So remember, we don't really know who wrote Hebrews. I'm suggesting maybe Priscilla actually wrote it. And one of the reasons why she didn't use her name is in the first century, a woman couldn't write a text like that. It wouldn't be allowed. So maybe she didn't. She's one of the authors that are theologians bat around. Maybe she wrote it. So she or someone else uses the word faith, interesting faith, more than any other book in the entire New Testament. So the Writer of Hebrews uses it a lot, but it is meant with more this sense of faithfulness. Will I be faithful? Will I live faithfully? And so chapter 11, which is before what we're looking at, you remember, is this great list of people who live by faith, going all the way back to Abraham, to Moses, and all the heroes of the faith. Noted with Moses, for example, that Moses was willing to set aside all the riches and glory and beauty and comfortable life of being a prince of Egypt. He was willing to do all that so that he could follow what he felt God was leading him to, which was what? Leading a complaining bunch of people in the, in the desert for 40 years. At the age of 80, So you might think, well, you know, maybe, maybe I'd rather live as a prince in Egypt, right? Like, why would I do that? But that's what he did. and He's noted for doing that. So will we live faithfully? Will we live with faith? So it's not just an idea, a faith, maybe an idea, but actually a practice, faithfulness. That's kind of where the writer takes it. So through these weeks of Easter, Easter actually runs in liturgical calendar for seven weeks, right up to Pentecost, seven weeks, 50 days. So we're in that season of Easter. Will we live faithfully during this season, our lives? A conviction that there is more to life than meets the eye. To live that way. There's more to life than just what I see you know we know that physically right with much of the spectrum light spectrum we can't see anyway A manta ray sees a whole lot more than we ever do The so big eyes see more in the light spectrum so there's lots we don't get so can we live in the reality that there's more to life than what I see so you can ask yourself is that is that true or not Okay, so with that in mind, we note faith does not guarantee success by the world's standards. It has nothing to do with that. Living and trusting, in my hope, with vision, purpose, we see, doesn't mean I'll be successful. on the short term, but we're successful on the big term. We may be successful on the short term, but that's not what faith is about. Faith and trust, live faithfully. So here we go with the text. Running the race, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. If Priscilla wrote that, what was she thinking about? Why would she come up with those words? What's in that that is an admonition to the church, to the family of the book of Hebrews? Most writers suggest that it was primarily a Jewish church. So there's a lot of Christian Jewish church. But they come from that history, so Priscilla's using that context. A packed stadium. It's an athletic metaphor. You go to the stadium. The Greeks had these big stadiums, and the stadium sat 25,000 people. Interesting, if you go to Ephesus, which is the most active archaeological site on the planet, it's been worked on for 100 years, and it's still being worked on, Ephesus. They're always finding new things in Ephesus. University teams from all over the world are working on Ephesus in Greece, Turkey really, Turkey. There are two stadiums, that's my point. The boat would come right up, it was right on the water and boom, boom, two stadiums, 25,000 people each in Ephesus. Beth and I with Tony and Christy yesterday were at the Jays game. There were more than 25,000 people there. Maybe 30 plus, 35 maybe. Roaring around this big new stadium. You know, they've been renovating it. It's quite a feeling, right? 30,000 people there. Well, they were doing the very same thing back then. All the big cities were vying who had the best amphitheater. It's the very same thing, stuff that we do today. We want to build a new, bigger stadium. It was actually a good game, the Jays won. It was kind of fun. We were sitting along the first baseline. You guys like baseball? Sort of like baseball? No? We were on the first baseline and there was a play that Vladimir Guerrero, the first base play, baseman from Toronto, he runs in, makes a backhanded catch and throws it to first, gets the guy out. It was like incredible. Like I'm looking at it thinking, like, that is a major league play. Woo! Amazing. Everybody goes crazy. They were doing the same thing back then. So people are in the stadium, packed, and the writer, maybe Priscilla, is saying that all these witnesses, who is she thinking of primarily? Well, chapter 11, all the people that were just listed. Those people, they are witnesses for us. And it's not like so much they're looking down on us to see how we're doing and judging us. That is not the point. They are cheering us on, that is the idea, these witnesses. It's a race, it's a contest. In the early church, the Christian tradition was called the way. Are you followers of the way? The way meant a race, a contest. Are we part of that way? And to live with purpose and indeed inspiration. All those people who have gone before us. Darlene mentioned that. I'm inspired by my mother and dad and their faith. You know, my mother was just this tiny little woman, like five foot, right? But she had great faith. And she would... I remember, man, when she was here, she used to call me after, after Sundays, Alan... So like a mom, right? Alan... That was a wonderful sermon. That moved me so much. She she would say things like that, right? She's my mom, right? I'd expect my mom to call me, and she'd say, how great, you know, typical. But the witnesses inspire us. So, you know, there are witnesses in your life. If you've been a Christian for a while, I would think that there are people that inspire you. You think of them. Darlene mentioned a few. There were were lots, lots of people, right? Generations in this church. That's generations. 115 years. That is a long time. People coming through these doors and leaving with faith, with all kinds of hassles. Troubles as deep as your troubles. Maybe deeper at times. Buechner has a line somewhere that our sorrows can be so strong they can turn stone to blood. Stones are bleeding. So we, we can have that, a kind of pain. So what does the writer say, Priscilla? Set aside weights and sins. Now, so see, these, these are very unusual words. The first word is weight or encumbrance or distraction, not meaning a sin. They are, they are weights. If you go diving and you're overly weighted, it's not fun. It drags you down the whole dive. You're fighting because you're too overly weighted. If you go to a Raptors game, what do they do? The people on the bench. I want you, Boucher, I want you. Boucher runs up, first thing he does is throw off his track suit, right? Just throws it off, just goes flying. Some little lackey has to come along and pick it up and put it away nicely. They don't worry about that. They just throw off their clothes, right? (sighs) Why? Because they're setting aside any weight. Wearing the track suit during the game wouldn't really be helpful to them. So they set it aside. So what are the weights that we can carry so you have to ask that for yourself it's not a sin we're not talking about that yet but they're weights they weigh you down man and Priscilla's saying hey p- put it aside you know what they are probably what are the weights and then there are the sins in fact she says a weight that entangles you it's interesting, again, very unusual word it's a sin that is easily distracting that's what that word means it's easily distracting for you it is called a sin but it's a sin for you that easily distracts you and those easily distracting sins we we can fight with those our whole lives you'll know what they are Whatever that is, it easily distracts you. Go like that right away. She says, set aside the weights and the sins that are easily distracting. So it's different for everybody what that might be. Sin that might distract me may have absolutely nothing to you. You'd say, well, what bothers you about that? It's nothing, man. You may will go the other way, too. She writes, run the race, man. If you're running the race, you gotta set aside the stuff that hinders you. Let's do it. And if we're gonna do it, we have to write and run in a way that perseveres, that endures. It's a long distance run. When I was in school, I hated long distance running. I hated it. We'd go to maybe High Park and they'd run and they'd want you to run over the whole stinking park. I'm thinking like, this is one, boring. I'm getting bored. And I, and I don't like it, I'm getting too exhausted. So we'd run for a while and then I'd stop and walk a little bit and you know, then run again. Right? And others, they're just like running. they run the whole thing. We've had some runners in our church over the years, right? Leah Godfrey, wasn't Leah Godfrey a runner? Think so, all Ontario. Wow, just goes like a rocket. Endure, perseverance. We're called to run, to keep running. Keep running the race. It's not easy to keep running a race. Set aside the weights and keep running. So that's where the writer starts. So what about us then? It's your time to live as a Christian. It's your time, my time. Other people in this history of this church, they've had their moment, they're gone. Now it's our time, your time. How will you live under God's son as his child? It's your chance. It's quite unique. Even in heaven, we won't have this chance. We'll have another chance, but this is it. This one is this. So can we live in a way that keeps running, keeps enduring, puts a smile on God's face, Directed by our core values and directed by our greater narrative. What is the greater narrative? Well, it's, it's, it's the kerygma, theologians say. It's the gospel story. It's who Christ is and what he's done. That is our passion. We are Christians. What does a Christian mean? Follower of Christ. So will we follow Christ? If we don't want to follow him, then, then we're not Christians. Then we're just, you know, we may be religious people, We may be very nice people, but if we're not following Christ, we don't have the name Christian. We're good religious people. So will we follow him? That's our greater narrative, right? And that's the only way there's joy. That's the only way there's joy in the Christian faith. If We're not attached to Christ. There's no joy. It's just, it's a set of ideas, that's all. Maybe good for your church or for your life, a set of ethics, cool, that's good, it's all good, but it won't fill you with joy. Jesus is the one who fills us with joy. So we are called to run our race, number one. Two, look to Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken a seat at the right hand of the throne of God. That's a bit of a mouthful. Priscilla was obviously a pretty good theologian. Hope you don't mind me calling her Priscilla. Could be someone else. Priscilla and Aquila, Priscilla their husband and wife. Priscilla's always mentioned first. And in the Greek community way back then, that meant person mentioned first was the primary teacher. Priscilla and Aquila. It's always Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla takes front seat. Even 2000 years ago that's something so looking to Jesus he's our source our leader and he's also our perfecter again unusual words Hebrews Hebrews is a tough book to read in Greek because there is so much vocabulary that is seldom used always using words and they only happen once or twice you're always looking it up our source our leader, and also our perfecter, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. If you hike around Banff, I got a note from a former missionary and I asked uh, on LinkedIn, and he said hi. I say hi back, and I say, I'm thinking he's still in Bolivia. And he says, no, I'm not in Bolivia anymore. Now I'm in Banff. I say, Banff? Man, you are in God's country out in Banff. It's amazing. Where he is. I remember doing a hike, and there's a bow, there's a river, the Bow River, and it flows right through Banff. Some of you have been there. The source of the bow is just outside of town, it's up in the mountains, just right there. So the Bow River starts just outside of Banff, comes all the way through town, and when it comes through town, it is glacial fed. It is beautiful, blue turquoise water. It's amazing. It's just like incredible, clear, beautiful, blue water. Woo! Canadian water. There we go. And it flows, interesting enough, all the way across the prairies and empties finally into James Bay. It's called different names are going across, but it's still the Bow River connects with another one, goes from Banff to James Bay, the beginning and the end that river in Canada. And we have Jesus, who is our beginning and our end. And primarily here, he is the ultimate example. We've had all the examples in chapter 11, and now we have Jesus as our example. Yeah, Jesus is our example. Who endured the shame, it says. The shame of the cross. Let's think of that for a moment. First century, the Middle East is a shame culture. It still is. Shame is huge. I feel ashamed. If I screw up at work, I feel ashamed. I internalize this shame. If there's a problem in the family, I internalize this shame. That is what Jesus is dealing with. Shame. Jesus does not die by natural causes, right? He dies at 33, executed by the Romans on a cross. The Jewish community to die on a cross was just like the worst thing, despised. He endures the shame, the writer says. Imagine the shame that Mary lived with the rest of her life. In that culture Jesus executed on the cross as a criminal the Romans wouldn't even do that to Roman citizens they would not allow it and Mary the mom has to live with that people are looking at her talking about her whispering about her in a small Jewish town that's what's going on shame and we're told that Jesus He doesn't despise it, meaning he will go through the plan. He will do what is necessary for us, even enduring our shame, it says. Oh, man. You got any shame? Bet you do. Do I have? Lots. What is shame? Shame is embarrassment. Little children, what happens with little kids? They make a mistake, and all of a sudden their faces blush, and they want to hide. Not everyone, but a lot of them do. Why? Because the the, the error makes them feel ashamed. I want to hide. That's shame. We all struggle with shame, and Jesus bears it for us. He, do, he does. He doesn't. He doesn't say no. Listen listen to this little quote by Calvin, of all people. Calvin renders it, Though it was free to Christ to exempt himself from all trouble, note, and to lead a happy life, abounding in all things, he yet underwent a death that was bitter and in every way ignominious. He could have led a happy life. He was such a great guy. Nobody could say anything bad about him. This little town, 300 people, Nazareth, could have been very, very happy. But he takes it on himself for us. Interesting that Calvin says that. So looking to Jesus then, who's done that for you and for me, he's our companion. He travels with us. Hence, we are to look to him. Run the race, not alone, run it with Jesus as our companion. Your companion. I have here your own Emmaus Road experience. Jesus coming up to you on Emmaus Road saying, how's it going? Why are you guys so down? You look downcast. You're unhappy. That's what it's about, right? He comes up and he cheers them up. Shares a meal with them, and in the sharing of the meal, they recognize that's Jesus. He is our companion. Literally, that means the one who eats bread with us. Not alone. Our companion. Not to lose heart, we end with. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself From sinners, right? Laying it on the line here. People were mean and angry and killed him. Consider him. The word consider, the only time it's used in the New Testament, it's the word from which we get analogy, analogous. Consider him. Compare yourself with him. Consider him. So that you may not grow weary or lose heart. That's the last point. Not to lose heart, to grow weary. Do we ever grow weary? Oh man, sure we do. Do we ever lose heart? Yes. The writer says here, because he or she knows that we do. We do lose heart. We do grow weary. Life is hard, we know that. Just because a Christian doesn't mean we're Christians doesn't mean we're gonna have success. We've already said that, right? So life can be hard. We are called to keep enduring it. So how is life hard? Life can be hard financially. Anybody hard finances? Bet you are. Hard emotionally. Hard physically hard relationally it just goes on and on hard think of old Sisyphus isn't that how he pronounced that Zeus says hey man I don't like you so much so you got to roll a stone you got to roll a boulder up all the hill all through eternity rolling this boulder boulder sorry up the hill always you never get on the end of it that's his fate Life can feel like that for us. So what do we do when we get so tired? I think frequently we just drop out. That's number one, we give up. Just give up. Don't want to endure it anymore. So then we just check out, man. The writer is saying don't check out. Don't check out. Do not check out the writer is saying. You have a race. Your race. You have a race. I have a race. If you check out you're not running the race. We have to run the race. That's that's the invitation. We don't want to get before Jesus. And Jesus says, Man, you checked out. (laughs) Two thirds of the way through the life, you checked out, man. What happened after that? You checked out. It's like you're running a a relay 400 yards and you run half of it, you know, and then the last two runners, they just decide they're not going to run. Well, then you've checked out. The race is over. So we are invited to keep running and keep running. Paul says, So we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day-by-day. The church, you know, not just our church, the church through North America is under a lot of stress. People are checking out left and right. We've talked a bit about this with family, for whatever reasons. The church is under stress. So many Christians, man, and they, and they, you know, their ideas. I won't pick on anybody south of the border, but I mean, we can, they can be. Even though I've got my good American friends here with me, <laughs> and we think, you know what? I don't even want to be associated with some of those ideas. I, I don't like it. They say they're Christians. Well, they don't. They're not. They, they're not like I want to be. Whoever, you know, what I mean, you just think. I don't know who they are. For you. So the church is under stress, down there and up here. And oftentimes it's because we are checking out. Too many people have checked out. Why have they checked out? Why? Because there's lots of reasons. Church is a mess. I don't want to keep hanging out with these goofy people. We check out. I'm talking globally. I'm not talking here. So, you know... That's what the writer is saying. Do not lose heart. Our outer nature is getting weaker, but our inner nature can keep being dynamic, more dynamic, more dynamic. That's the beauty. So then what we have to do? We have to engage. You have to find the ways that will help you stay engaged. We all have to do that. What are our spiritual exercises? Ignatius wrote a whole book on that, the spiritual exercises. What are they for you, for me? You got to find them you've got to find them yours what will work for you you can't just say well keep reading your Bible well reading the Bible is a good thing but what will work for you to energize you in your faith so you will live faithfully that's a challenge right what happens in Laodicea they become half-hearted lukewarm and they're checking out So that can happen to us. So we need to run the race that counts, right? That's where we're ending. Run the race that counts. You've got to run your race. I've got to run my race. Nobody else can run it for you. You've got to run your race. We need each other. See the runners going, right? They're running through and people are at the sides, giving them water bottles and cheering them on and giving them candy bars, you know, as they run. They're encouraging them. I want you guys to bring candy bars for me next week, all right? I want a bunch of candy bars. Cheer me on and I'll share them with Frankie and others. Yay, yeah. (laughs) Let's run the race, let's run the race. Let's say yes, open our hands, not tight fists, open our hands before God, let's do that. And God can do amazing things in your life and in our lives together. God wants to do beautiful things in your lives, something new. So give him a chance, give him a big yes. Yes, give him a yes and live that way. Good things will happen, I'm telling you. Doesn't mean you'll get the next job. Something good will happen. Something beautiful, something good. Oh, all my confusion. He understood. I remember singing that as a kid something beautiful, something good. Yeah! In God's name, in His name, in Jesus' name.